Welcome to the Maranatha Baptist Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this class from our Equip Ministry will be a blessing to you and will grow your love for Jesus Christ. We would encourage you to use it only as a supplement to your regular intake of God's Word in your local church. If you need help connecting with a local church, please reach out to us on our website, mbcgrimes.org. So just reviewing, uh, we've been tracking this outline, pray, meet people, tell them about Jesus, and uh, sort of with a smile on our faces, like, yeah, it's just that simple, right? Um, Well, no, obviously evangelism can be a little more complex than that, but that's the basic outline we've been using when we talk about it. So week one, we talked about prayer and uh, tried to cover a lot of the different uh, prayer requests that we see in Scripture regarding evangelism and uh, how to ask the Lord for things like boldness, open doors, the right clear, clear words to say to somebody when sharing the gospel, and etc. Uh, then in week two, we talked about meeting people and looked at Paul's life and how, you know, as he went from place to place, he often went straight to the synagogue uh, where he would go on a regular basis and uh, teach and share the gospel, build relationships with people. And so, uh, you know, we don't really have the, quite exactly the same setup, but we've, we, talk, we applied that by thinking about how could we find a platform where we're regularly interacting with people who don't know the Lord and uh, seeking to build relationships with the goal of sharing the gospel. Uh, So that was week two. Weeks three and four, we started talking about telling people about Jesus. And so in week three, we discussed the essential gospel, which if you remember, comes from 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Christ died for our sins and rose again. And then we talked about the fuller gospel message. When you're sharing with somebody, you want to be sure to cover uh, the bad news, right? That we are uh, sinners accountable to a holy God under his wrath. The good news that God loved us and his son Jesus to die for our sins and rise again. Uh, and that if we trust in him as Savior, we will be saved from our sins. And then the choice that a person needs to make. Will you admit your sin and trust in Christ as Savior? Uh, Then week four, we talked about conversion. Uh, So that's now just last week, I think, is when we talked about that. And uh, talked about uh, what saving faith is, right? How does a person uh, become a Christian? Uh, So our key verse was Acts 16, 31. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that that faith is the key uh, to a person being converted and uh, becoming a Christian. Uh, but then we dug into what is, what is the nature of saving faith, right? Are you just believing a fact about something? And so we kind of uncovered, the as we looked at Scripture, that it's, it's a trust, it's a dependence upon the work of Christ on the cross. Um, and we talked about how it involves even the idea of repentance, that change of mind about who Jesus is and what he did and my sin and my need for a Savior and all of that. All of those things, of course, would need to change in our thinking. So that was a, a brief review of a lot of the topics that we covered. Uh, tonight, we want to try to do two things. And again, this is originally weeks five and six of the material. Uh, we're combining them into one. And it works out great because both lessons were a little bit on the short side. So we'll do fine. Don't you worry. Uh, the first question we want to answer, though, is what is evangelism? What is evangelism? And I really like uh, a quotation from the book called Evangelism by J. Max Stiles. Uh, that book is available on our, on our shelves in the back. It's red, about this size, and uh, just a good thought-provoking book on evangelism. But he defines it this way. Evangelism is teaching the gospel with the aim to persuade. 
teaching the gospel with the aim to persuade. And so briefly, uh, the next uh, four points there, just walk through that definition and uh, why kind of each of those aspects is important. So first of all, evangelism must involve teaching, words, and explanation. Jesus' primary ministry was teaching. Uh, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 says, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. So even Jesus' ministry, we think of his miracles and things like that, but the focal point of his ministry was teaching. Uh, He came to teach the words of God and specifically the gospel message. Believe in him as Savior. Uh, and so teaching is key. You also may remember last week we looked at Romans ten seventeen, which says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, so there is a specific message that a person needs to hear and understand in order to become a Christian. So evangelism has to involve some way or another teaching. It's not, it's not merely good works. It needs to involve a message. Secondly, evangelism requires the message of the gospel. So we're not just teaching anything, but there's a specific message that must be taught, the message of the gospel. And here's where uh, another verse that we've looked at already together, uh, Romans 1.16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. So that gospel message is the power that God uses Uh, It's that message that God uses to bring someone to faith in Christ. And so we're not just teaching anything. uh, It's specifically teaching the gospel. Um, Next, we think about the aim to persuade, teaching the gospel with the aim to persuade. Oh, I skipped something in your notes. There's a little review uh, from earlier lessons. The essential gospel, Jesus died for our sins and rose again. And then that fuller message begins with the bad news that we're sinners condemned by a holy God. The good news, God sent his son Jesus to be our savior and we, our sins can be forgiven. We're saved when we trust in him as savior. And then that choice, will you choose? Will you trust in Jesus as your savior? Uh, So that's that three parts of the gospel message. Okay, the next part of the definition, evangelism has a clear aim. It's seeking to do something. Um, So, you know, we're not just kind of randomly putting the gospel message out there, but it comes with that desire that this person I'm speaking with would, would trust in Christ, that they would be saved. And you may remember a couple of weeks ago, studying 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. It reminds us of our motivation. The love of Christ compels us because we judge thus. If one died for all, then all died. And he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So because of what Christ has done, we have that motivation to share the gospel. There's also a clear target uh, in sharing the gospel. We want the person to come to Christ. You may remember later in that same passage, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, the Apostle Paul says it's as if we're pleading with people, right? Be reconciled to God. So there is a target. Uh, it's not just, you know, put the gospel out there and, well, do what you want. 
Uh, but we really do want people to believe this message and to trust in Christ. And so it intends to persuade. It intends to persuade. And that's where we come to 2 Corinthians 5.20. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The payment is made. So there's weight to the message that we're sharing. Uh, It's been paid for already. So take advantage of the gift of God and find that salvation in Christ. We want to persuade people uh, to believe the gospel. Now, that needs to be qualified a little bit. Um, Our aim to persuade uh, does not justify manipulation or any kind of deceitful tactics along the way, right? Um, So we want to be careful with that. Uh, We need to share the gospel in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. So let's look at a few verses that help us with that. Um, So you have them there in your notes. Would somebody be willing to turn to John 3.36? Volunteer. Anybody? Jennifer, thank you. Uh, Let's see. Somebody could do 2 Corinthians 5.15 and 17. Be willing to do those. Marsha, thank you. Uh, somebody willing to do Mark 8, 34 and 35. Deanne, thank you. Uh, somebody, Luke 12, 20. Jason, thank you. Uh, I saw a hand. It was, who was over here? I can give you the next one over here. Uh, let's do John 10, 10. Somebody, Sheila, thank you. John 10, 10. Um... That's good. All right, so let's go back to the beginning, John 3, 36. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. All right, so one of the things that we can do as we aim to persuade is encourage a person to consider their own personal need. And John three thirty six describes that really well. There's just two groups of people in the world. Uh, either you've believed in the Son and you have everlasting life, or you've not believed in the Son and you won't see life and the wrath of God abides on you. So it's just a super clear uh, distinction. Have you believed or not believed? If you have, you have life. If you've not, then you're under the wrath of God. And so it, it forces a person to kind of think through, oh, which category do I fall into? Where do I land here? And oh my goodness, if I'm under the wrath of God... There's a need for me to do something about that. So helping them to consider the need is, is a reasonable way to help somebody understand, uh, to persuade them to believe the gospel. Uh, next one, 2 Corinthians 5, 15 and 17. Okay. All right, thank you. Uh, I'll comment on those uh, in a moment. Let's read Mark 8.34 as well. All right, thank you. So 
the ideas of both of these verses is that it's helpful for people to consider the cost of trusting in Christ as Savior. Now, I want to be clear. The only qualification for salvation is to believe in Jesus Christ as Savior. But it's also good to be upfront about what this will mean for their life. So 2 Corinthians 5 talks about how when we find life in Christ, the right response is that I would want then to live for Jesus. And it's, it's healthy to be upfront about that. Now, that doesn't mean a person has to get all of that in order before they trust in Christ. But to be clear that, look, this is a life-changing decision, right? This is not just, you know, hey, I trust in Jesus and I got heaven added to my life. No, this is, you know, again, that idea of changing your thinking about so many things, about Jesus, my sin, my life. Um, and one of those changes is, now, hey, now I want to live for him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 implies the same thing. Uh, Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. This is a big decision. Now, the point of that is not to, like, overemphasize the largeness of it and, and for them to be pushing off the decision. But we do need to be upfront. The Lord Jesus himself was up front with his followers. He, he, he didn't, you know, deceive them or hide it. It's like, yeah, guys, it's going to be really great. He actually said to them, take up your cross and follow me. And you've got to be willing to lose your life uh, if you want to follow me in this way. Uh, so it's good to be honest uh, about those things. This is not just live how you want and add heaven to your life as well, right? And just make your life really great. No, it's, this is about living for Jesus. Uh, and so it is a big, a big choice. Uh, so that can get tricky sometimes. Let's say you're uh, witnessing to somebody and they say to you, uh, do I have to stop living with my girlfriend if I'm going to do this? Uh, you know, how, how do you answer something like that? Right. So they're thinking about trusting in Christ as Savior. Well, if I do this, am I going to have to stop? Uh, you know, whatever. You could fill in the blank with any number of things. Living with my girlfriend or doing this or doing that. Or do I have to start attending church? And, you know, uh, hmm, that's a tricky question to answer. Well, yes. <laughs> it's not like a requirement for you to be saved, but I can tell you that those are things the Lord will want you to do down the road, right? And so it can be tricky to answer those things. So you could say something along the lines of, well, for salvation, you only need to recognize your need for a Savior and to trust in Him. But be aware, as you follow Him, He may ask many things of you. Uh, Things that He'll, as you grow in your walk with Him, things that He'll ask you to change, things that He'll ask you to to leave behind. And uh, when we follow Him, we're willing to do whatever He asks us to do uh, along the way. Let's take care of this decision first, knowing that you'll need to be ready for other decisions down the road uh, as well. And uh, sometimes that's a way you can prepare somebody that, yes, (laughs) you probably will need to make those decisions. Um, But that's not the primary thing God's calling you to right now. Uh, What will you choose about Jesus? And then are you ready to, to trust him for those decisions down the road? Next, we consider the urgency. Who had Luke 12, 20? Jason, thank you. Okay, so uh, there's a parable there in Luke 12. And ultimately, the point of the parable was about storing up treasure in heaven rather than earthly riches because, you know, the Lord could call us home at any moment. 
Uh, and so that's a, that's a helpful section of verses if somebody's just kind of, you know, delaying and putting off, and I don't really know if I, this is something I want to do, I need more time to think about it, coming to a passage like this that says, hey, you do not know uh, at what point your life, and this needs is something you need to be taken care of uh, and give serious attention to um, uh, because we don't know the future. So consider the urgency. Next, consider the benefit. Who had John 10.10? Was that you, Sheila? Okay. Okay, so this is the Good Shepherd passage, and Jesus references the, the thief who, who steals and takes, um, but then he emphasizes how his role as the Good Shepherd is not only to give the sheep life, but to give it to them more abundantly, so abundant life. So there is a joy and an excitement about uh, having Jesus as your shepherd, coming to him uh, and trusting in him as Savior. Uh, the other benefit of the gospel, which I would actually call the primary benefit, is in 2 Corinthians 5, 19-21, which I didn't assign to anybody because we've referenced it three or four times already tonight. Uh, but it's where we're told that we are reconciled with God. We have peace with God. And uh, so the, the greatest thing we receive in the gospel is a right relationship with God. Uh, he is our Father, and we are under His grace for the rest of our lives and so, as you share the gospel, it's really helpful to talk about the benefits of the gospel, as not, not just in terms of heaven, uh, but a right relationship with God and uh, peace with Him forevermore and abundant life with Christ as our good shepherd. So, those verses are helpful as well. All right, any questions on what we've covered so far? All right. Continuing on, briefly want to talk about what evangelism is not. Um, it is not imposition. So it is not forcing your opinion on someone. Uh, we're sharing the truth, which, of course, somebody may disagree with me. They don't think it's true. Uh, and sometimes that can even lead to a point where they're just offended that I believe this is true. And, you know, that can happen. Um, but this is, again, not something where we are manipulating, not something where we are forcing ourselves upon other people. This is not a, something where we try to uh, control them or what they're doing. Uh, in evangelism, sometimes it's just helpful to ask permission. Uh, hey, do you mind if I share with you uh, what I believe about God's salvation or what I believe about eternal life? Could I share that with you? And uh, sometimes that's a nice way to show respect and uh, let them uh, give you permission then to share those things, and that can really smooth the way for uh, sharing the gospel with somebody. Evangelism is not merely sharing your testimony. Uh, So that's the next one there. Now, again, depending on how you share your testimony, you could make it about sharing the gospel. But even there, uh, you know, if you're just sharing your story, Uh, It doesn't include that aspect with the aim to persuade. And so you might add something to the end where, now, you know, I explained to you the gospel. I believed that Jesus died for my sins and rose again, and that's how I received salvation. Uh, I I believe this is a decision that you would need to make as well. Have you done this? Would you like to uh, hear more about it? So 
you know, sharing your testimony can be a great way in combination of, of uh, evangelism, uh, but it needs to involve that teaching the gospel, so not just saying, I got saved, but specifically what happened, teaching the gospel, as well as that, that uh, urgent request on their part, what will you do with this information? Uh, will you make a choice? Evangelism is not merely social action, public involvement, or an event, right? Uh, I think that's helpful. Sometimes uh, we uh, kind of check the evangelism box just by doing an event that's meant for us to be able to invite unbelievers. And we say, okay, I did evangelism. Well, not exactly. Uh, Nothing wrong with those. Don't misunderstand me. That can be a great way to build relationship and open the door for a conversation. So maybe an unbelieving friend comes to church, and as you know, try to always share the gospel in the sermons. Uh, And so, you know, that's not specifically evangelism, but it does give you the opportunity for evangelism because then after the service, you're able to say, hey, do you remember that part in the sermon where he talked about what Jesus did on the cross? What did you think about that? Have you ever heard that before? Um, you know, and so then it does open the door for those gospel conversations. Evangelism is not apologetics. Uh, apologetics are super helpful, right? Because people have a lot of questions. Uh, I have a good friend uh, who is, uh, I think he would refer to himself as an apologist. Uh, he ministers on college campuses and sets up a display and uh, answers questions about evolution and, you know, all sorts of, you know, loves interacting with atheists and things like that. Uh, But he does some teaching on apologetics, and the phrase that he uses is, your job is to make a beeline to Jesus. So anytime you're interacting with somebody in the area of apologetics, his philosophy anyway, is that rather than going further and further and further into the rabbit trails of this proof and this proof and this proof and this proof. He looks at it the other way. They come to you with some question about this. You, in your head, in your answer, make a beeline to Jesus. How do you get to the cross and what Jesus did? And that's kind of his philosophy because that's the message that makes all the difference for somebody. Uh, is it helpful to answer their questions? Yeah, absolutely. But apologetics are not evangelism, right? A person needs to hear the gospel message in order to be saved. And it's the gospel that's the power of God unto salvation. So I really appreciate about that about his philosophy. Make a beeline to Jesus. Finally, evangelism is not the results of evangelism. And this one's encouraging for us uh, because we cannot make a person saved, right? God has to convert them. They have to make the choice to trust in Jesus as Savior, and we do not control that. So evangelism is the sharing of the gospel with the aim to persuade. It has nothing to do with the results and whether the person believes or not. Now, if in all of my evangelism, nobody's getting saved, there might be reason for me to think through, okay, are there ways I could do this differently or more effectively or more often? Uh, But the key is our obedience to Christ, and that is in sharing the gospel not in conversions, right? So God is the one who converts people. We share the gospel. Okay, we went super fast through all of that. Two lessons to cover tonight. Any questions on lesson? That was all lesson five. You did it. You made it through lesson five. We're on to lesson six. Any questions on uh, kind of defining evangelism and understanding what the task is when it comes to sharing the gospel?
Sure, yeah, yeah. Traveling in the Angeles for most of my adult life. Mm -hmm. So I was in teaching for 10 years. Uh, I found that the Angeles Community College is a Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So uh, great, uh, great input there. So having some illustrations that help give clarity to the message of the gospel, and then especially that sense of a personal choice, um, that this is not just some general teaching of the church that you're just kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever, but what are you going to do about this gospel message and in your life? So yeah, excellent, excellent. Thank you. All right, let's go on to lesson six. Still about telling people about Jesus. Uh, this is a suggestion for a process for evangelism. Okay, And this is not the only process for evangelism. It's a process for evangelism. Uh, it's designed to be something achievable, something that any, anybody could do, any of us could do. And so if you found it difficult uh, to do evangelism in your life, this is just meant to be a very practical way uh, for you to implement that uh, as, an, as an effort of obedience to Christ in your life. Okay, so phase one would be to immerse yourself in the gospel. You'll notice that number one under every single phase is to pray, uh, because as we learned in week one, that is uh, the most important part about evangelism. We're completely dependent upon the Lord. And so even here, as you prepare to do evangelism, pray. You remember some of the prayer requests we talked about uh, had to do with my ability to share, my boldness, clarity of words, my understanding, open doors with people. So even here, uh, begin with prayer. And then learn the gospel well. Um, it's really interesting to me uh, how, how poorly I knew the gospel. Uh, I didn't realize it until I studied it more and learned more and studied it more, worked on it more. And even up in recent years, the more I study Scripture, the more I learn more about the gospel, right? Um, so kind of the, the rule of thumb is uh, the more you know about the gospel, the more you know you don't know about the gospel, right? You're, like you're always learning how, much, how, how rich and how deep and how broad it is. 
uh, and there's, you're just kind of mining more truths about it and how it affects life and how it plays out. At the same time, it's very simple, right? So we went back to that essential gospel, Christ died for our sins and rose again. Now, those are concepts that um, you know, just about anybody can understand. So I just encourage you to immerse yourself in the gospel. Know the gospel well. Study it. Um, if I were to ask you right now to share the gospel with me in 60 seconds or less, uh, how, how would you feel? Right? I'm not going to ask you to do that, but what comes to mind? You're like, oh boy, I don't even know what I'd say. Right? That's okay, but fix that. Solve that. Right? Study the gospel. Understand it be, to the point where you f- would feel confident if somebody said, hey, what's the gospel in 60 seconds where you could, oh yeah, no problem. Let me explain it to you. Um, and there's any number of ways to do that, different tactics you can use to do that. My suggestion is number three, get involved in gospel-centered discipleship. One of the best ways to learn the gospel well is to study it with somebody else. Uh, and that's what I mean by discipleship. So get together with another brother or sister in Christ and do a Bible study together. We have some book studies that are focused on the gospel, uh, a variety of things. I, at the end, the last uh, five or ten minutes or so, I'm just going to walk through a variety of resources uh, that might be helpful to you. Um, but if you're not sure how to start in evangelism, then a couple steps back from that is start with uh, believer with believer uh, discipleship and learn to talk through the gospel together. Um, maybe you've even done the activity where you sort of share the gospel uh, with another believer, uh, kind of role play, and uh, learn, you know, oops, I walked myself into a corner there, and I don't know how to get out of it. Or, you know, you can kind of solve some of those issues as you talk with one another, um, and th- those things are really, really helpful. So immerse yourself in the gospel. Any questions on that? Okay. Any volunteers want to give us a 60-second uh, gospel presentation? No? Okay. All right. We'll move on. Phase two, interact with unbelievers. Interact with unbelievers. Step one, pray. Ask the Lord for wisdom. Open doors. Uh, brainstorm with the Lord kind of as you pray. Okay, what are, where, where could I connect? What would be, you know, do I, are there hobbies or interests that I have where I could get involved in a community club? Or where could I regularly, you know, my neighbors, have I done enough to connect with my neighbors? And sort of thinking through those things as you talk with the Lord, how could I connect with unbelievers? So number two, find a platform. And as we talked about a couple weeks ago, a platform is a setting to build relationships with lost souls in order to communicate the gospel. Build relationships with lost souls in order to communicate the gospel. So I would encourage you, even right now, uh, this doesn't have to be your final choice, but write something in the blank. What's your like top pick? If you had to choose right now what your platform would be, what thing would you sign up for, what activity would you join, what location would you go to, to be your platform to interact regularly with unbelievers. And just jot it down in the blank. I want to ask you to share, and it doesn't even have to be the thing you do, but sometimes it helps to just write something down and say, you know what, I don't have any better ideas, so let's start here as a step of obedience, as a way I can start meeting people. Uh, What would your platform be? All right. Everybody got theirs written down? 
Mm-hmm. No blank blanks now. I'm not going to check your papers. And then number three is a repeat of phase one because it's really important. Talk about the gospel with other believers. Participate in a gospel-centered study with another believer. So this will just continue to prepare you to do phase two. So that when the, when the doors are opened wide, uh, you've built some relationship with somebody who doesn't know the Lord, and then they just pop that question one day, so what do you believe? I, I know you go to church regularly, and you know, that's a big thing in your life, but what is, what do you, what is a Baptist? What do you even believe? How are you going to make a beeline to Jesus in that moment, right? Um, and so interaction with other believers about the gospel helps to prepare us for those moments, for those open doors, for those questions. Um, so yeah, just encourage you to get more comfortable talking about spiritual things, talking about gospel truth, uh, so that when those moments come up, you know, that the frog isn't in your throat. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, you know, just... Think church is good, and uh, this is what I say if I'm not prepared, right? You know, it's a cool, it's a thing I do, and I grew up doing it. And well, that didn't go well, did it? Nope. So, uh, getting used to talking about these things is helpful. Number three, invite unbelievers to gospel-centered studies. Now, here's the cool thing: if you've been following this, you've already been doing that with other believers. So it's not that crazy. It's not that unheard of for you to say, hey, you know what? I get together with some friends uh, on Thursday mornings for coffee before work, and and we just do a little Bible study together. Would you want to join us? You want to come? And, uh, you know, your other partners in there, you know what it's all about anyway. And so, you you know, all of you would just be pumped if an unbeliever would come and join you, and you're totally ready to ditch whatever you're studying and talk about the gospel uh, that morning and, uh, you know, it just, it just becomes super easy and natural. And you'd be surprised how open people are to that kind of a thing, especially if the Lord's drawing them. Uh, some people aren't interested in a Bible study. That's okay. Uh, and, you know, that, that will typically that will come around as the Lord begins to work in their heart. But those that are, uh, it's a great way. Uh, to kind of involve them in the gospel and to take the personal pressure off of like, oh man, what do I say and how do I persuade this person? It's just like, hey, join our group. Uh, We're just working through what the Bible says about the gospel. So you have a little blank there. I intend to invite. Okay, I'm not asking you to make a promise. You know, you don't have to do this. But again, same idea as the previous blank with your platform. Pick a name. Who's the top person that comes to mind? The person that doesn't know the Lord at this point, you have the best relationship with that you might be willing to invite them to do a Bible study uh, to learn more about what the Bible teaches, specifically about the gospel. But uh, if you had to to put a name down right now, what name would it be? Uh, If you can't think of a name, that's okay. Uh, I would encourage you to start praying for the Lord to give you some names uh, of people that uh, that you could invite. All right, so again, I'm going to close uh, once we get there with some of these um, resources for you. So you have some listed there. I'll come back to those. Uh, But then hopefully the opportunity comes up to share the gospel. Phase four then is to invest in ongoing discipleship. 
And the beautiful thing is you just kind of keep doing what you've been doing. So if the person trusts in Christ, then, then you move on to those early aspects of the Christian life and begin to disciple. Excuse me, begin to disciple them in those things. And if you've been meeting with other believers to talk about Scripture and to go through these things, it's just a supernatural uh, transition. It's not scary. Uh, you know what it's like already. And uh, so I think one of the best ways to prepare to do evangelism is actually to start by participating in discipleship in the church uh, with believers meeting with one another, studying the Word together. And that provides just a supernatural platform for evangelism to happen. Uh, And so just encourage you to consider that. Um, I feel like there's something else I was going to say with that. Let me share the resources, uh, and then if you have any questions related to those, I will answer those. Actually, let me... uh, before I share the resources, let me answer a question that came up last week. Um, last week, we talked about uh, salvation by faith, right? The person needs to trust in Christ as Savior. And we asked the question specifically, does a person need to say something specific? Does a person need to pray? And uh, Andrea Paybody asked the question. I don't think she's here tonight, but she asked the question, what about Romans 10, 9, and 10, which says, you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Is that confession a necessary part of salvation? And uh, I answered it super quickly and it was a bit confusing. It didn't answer it very well. So I wanted to come back to that and just refresh that. So the short answer is, no, I don't believe that... Um, that verse adds a requirement to salvation. Uh, I think what it's, you know, as we look at all the verses that talk about salvation, uh, you begin with the simplest, clearest verses and use those to help you interpret them. So I don't think confession is an added requirement. I think that a person is saved by faith when they trust in Christ as Savior. Now, I think that does result in a person at some point confessing uh, that, they're, that they're a believer, that they trust in Jesus Christ as Savior. Um, but I don't think it's an added step of salvation, if that makes sense. So I wanted to come back to that and explain uh, an answer to those verses. All right. That was the last thing I wanted to say. Now, let me talk to you about some resources Um, so I'm actually going to begin not with evangelistic resources, uh, but with resources you might use in a Bible study with other believers. Uh, because again, if you follow this process, that's actually where it starts. Meet with some other believers, uh, that you can talk through Bible studies or, or talk through, uh, scripture with. So as you think about doing that, here are some suggestions for you. Um, this one is called uh, Learning to Love Jesus, and it's a really great starting point. It's meant to be for somebody who's just trusted in Christ, and so it begins with the most important thing God tells us, which is to love Him. Uh, and so how does a person actually do that? How does a person begin loving God? It's a new thing, and it sounds really strange to think about that. It's like, well, you just do it, right? No, well, how do we actually grow in our love for God? And I have found that a lot of believers uh, have actually never thought about that a whole lot. Uh, we know we're supposed to love God, but have never really thought about growing in our love for God. How do I work at that uh, through my time in the Word on a daily basis? So this is a great study uh, that talks about that. 
and it walks through the first six chapters of the Gospel of John, which happen to be really great for sharing the Gospel as well. So, um, so you know, if you're going through this with a group of believers and thinking through what it means to learn to love Christ, and then an unbeliever were to decide to join you partway through it, uh, it would be a really easy transition to still be able to uh, share the Gospel. So that's a resource that's available. Another super simple one is what we call one-to-one Bible reading. And uh, you don't even need this. I mean, I can just tell you the concept right here. Uh, you get together, you open your Bibles, uh, you read it, and you can you know, maybe take turns reading verses or whatever, and then you discuss it together. And uh, it's okay if you don't understand everything. Uh, you know, if there are questions that come up, you're like, well, I'm not sure about that. Let's look it up and follow up on it next week. And uh, uh, it's just a really great, encouraging way to look at Scripture together. This little resource does walk through uh, some basic Bible study method. So if you're just not sure even where to begin, there's some great questions in here like, okay, well, let's see, who's, who's writing it? And who are they writing to? And what are they talking about? And can help you sort of some, prompt some discussion. You know, if you just open the Bible and you're not sure what to talk about, uh, that's helpful. It also gives you some selected passages so again, if you're like, oh, what do, where do we read and what do we start with? Well, it gives you some eight-week uh, sections of Scripture that you can work through. Uh, so that's a good option as well. Um, this one's called a gospel primer. Some people say primer. Uh, I say primer because I don't know why. Anyway, uh, this one uh, talks through how the gospel affects us in the Christian life in all sorts of different categories. And uh, it's really fun because uh, the author has intentionally sought to make it uh, uh, beautiful. So it's actually written in, uh, one section of it is written in prose, it's poetry. Um, and uh, yeah, he does a really good job. The other thing I really love about this resource is that uh, the Bible references are in the footnotes and the whole verse is there, uh, right? So a lot of times in footnotes, it's just the reference, which if we're honest, none of us ever look up, Right. Uh, so in this case, he's got the whole verse there as well. So that's really nice. So as you're reading whatever he says about the gospel, you can just look down and see the verse uh, there, which is beneficial. So gospel primer, and we have a number of those on the shelf as well. So those are great studies to do with other believers that would also dovetail nicely if uh, an unbeliever were to come and you want that opportunity to share the gospel. Now let me talk through some particularly evangelistic studies which honestly, these would also be really good to go through with, an, with a group of believers just to solidify your understanding of the gospel. So I'll start with this one. This one's called Do You Know Jesus? And inside these envelopes, again, these are available in the back. Inside these envelopes, uh, there are four studies. Uh, each one of them is a sheet of paper folded in half. Um, and they just walk through the truths of the gospel. And... Uh, I have done this both with believers and unbelievers and found that with both groups, uh, they come to the end with a clearer, richer understanding of what the gospel is and what it means. And so again, I think this would be, if you're meeting with a group of believers, this would be a great starting place. Uh, A year or two ago, we did go through this on Wednesday nights. We met in small groups and, uh, and worked through these. So some of you were here for that, if you remember, but these are really helpful. Um, so yeah, the, the idea is you could do one whole lesson, you know, sit down and go through that in about 45 minutes, 
and uh, you look up some verses, answer questions, and it's a clear explanation of the gospel. Um, so yeah, great, great resource. We also have, uh, these are called John studies. They're a similar idea, four parts, but it's all in the gospel of John. Um, so if a person is just really unfamiliar with scripture, uh, that can be kind of helpful because then they're just staying in the gospel of John. Uh, there are a couple points in it where the, the verses they use are just maybe a little bit of a stretch where it's like, okay, well, I don't know if that's exactly what that verse was intended to mean or to do or whatever, but, uh, but overall, very good. Uh, and again, the simplicity of staying in the gospel of John is kind of helpful. Um, so if you haven't done these, that could be a great thing to do with, with believers uh, or to connect with an unbeliever. And again, it's in four parts, which keeps it nice and simple. Uh, next one would be this book called The Exchange. Uh, it's by author Jeff Musgrave. Uh, this is available on the shelf as well. And uh, again, it's in four lessons. It's all in one booklet, though, so you can't really separate them out. Uh, but each lesson uh, t- talks through the gospel. The outline he uses, it's God is holy, God is just, God is loving, and God is gracious. Uh, and so you could work through those um, and open the scriptures. The idea of the exchange comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Uh, so we've talked about that uh, good concept. All right, the last two I'll mention, uh, one is The Stranger on the Road to Emmaus. Uh, So again, we have that available on the back. This is a thorough look at, uh, it it walks through the full gamut of Scripture. Um, And so if a person is interested in having a a, a stronger understanding of the Bible and what it teaches, this is a great resource. It's a gospel-centered walk through Scripture. And so not only will you have clear chances to share the gospel, but gain a fuller understanding of, you know, why are there 66 books and what's this about creation and how does all this fit together? does a really good job of walking through that. So that's the positives. The negative is that it's thick, right? And so uh, somebody has to be pretty interested uh, to want to go through something like this. Um, I've found that it's, it often tends to be a little uh, overwhelming Say, well, hey, would you want to go through this with me? And it's kind of like, oh, I got to read all that, you know? I don't know if I can do that. Uh, so sometimes that's a hurdle with people. But again, if you come across somebody who's interested, has a lot of questions, this is a solid resource uh, to use with them. And again, copies available in the back. Uh, backing up, Stranger on the Road to Emmaus is published by a company called Good Seed, and they actually have three or four versions of this that all follow a similar outline. Uh, Stranger on the Road to Emmaus is meant for those with some sort of Christian background. So maybe they're raised in Catholicism, uh, maybe they're, you know, whatever, some, some sort of Christian background. And so there's, it's meant to have that sort of foundation. Uh, another title it's under is By This Name, uh, and that's meant for more of an Eastern religion background. Uh, and so if you're working with somebody, that company, Good Seed, you can order it. And it's just, it's the same outline. It's just adjusted in places uh, to really be easier to grasp for somebody with an Eastern religion background. Their most recent one is for those with no religious background at all. Uh, and it's just called No Ordinary Story. 
take a journey through the Bible, and it comes actually in eight little booklets uh, like this. And uh, that's, so that's just meant for an atheist or somebody with no religious background at all. And uh, again, follows a very similar outline. What I like about this is that it's not as overwhelming. So if you were to start with somebody and just say, hey, well, let's just start with number one, right? And so it's a much smaller, you know, easier to manage uh, little book. And then if, if that goes well, then we can go on to number two. So I like that about it as well. And the bottom line is most people today maybe think they have more religious understanding than they do. And so this comes from a good perspective. Uh, so yeah, there's one through eight. And then they also have three side topics. No ordinary book. So this one's about how we got the Bible. No ordinary verdict. This goes deeper uh, in the area of uh, justification. And then no ordinary return. This goes deeper into the second coming of Christ. Um, And so those are all beneficial resources too. Uh, I actually don't have these up on the shelf right now. This is my only copy at the moment, but if you'd like help ordering one of these, I'd be happy to, uh, to help you get that ordered um, at no cost to you. So, All right, any questions on any of those resources? Okay, that was a lot to throw, you at, throw at you really fast. So ultimately, all you need is the Bible, um, but I, I also really get it. Uh, it's a little scary at first, like, okay, I don't even know, you know where to go with this person or what to look at, and, uh, and so sometimes having a, a resource that helps you know what scriptures to turn to and where to look together uh, can, be, can be beneficial, so that's why I suggest those, but of course, scripture is sufficient, that's all we really need. Okay. Okay. Uh, Let me close our time in prayer, and then uh, we'll break up into our uh, prayer groups for the last uh, 15 minutes here. Father, we thank you for our time uh, thinking about evangelism. And uh, even as we close this class on evangelism, we would just uh, admit our dependence upon you. Um, You wrote the story of the gospel. You invented it. You you lived it. Uh, We didn't come up with this. Uh, and we, we just confess we don't even fully grasp it. Um, we, we know enough to, to trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior, but we need your help as we seek to share that message with others. Uh, and so we do pray for uh, understanding. We do pray for boldness. We pray for clarity. We pray for open doors. Uh, we pray that you would be drawing people to faith. We pray that you would convert souls Uh, to trust in Christ as Savior and become your children. We long to see that as a congregation. We long to experience that in our lives. And most of all, we long to be faithful. Uh, We want to be obedient uh, to your command to be witnesses. And so help us as we seek to be faithful to you. We thank you for the gospel and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more resources, visit our website, mbcgrimes.org. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly, and to God be the glory.